You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it, all about your death, and if you can. It's all about pain And who's gonna make it? I am the game You don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy debt No way you can pay me I am the pain And I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder Ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch From a smoking gun I am the game And I may lose So move on out You can die like a fool Try to figure out What my mood's gonna be Come on over circle Why don't you ask me Don't you forget There's a price you can pay Cause I am the game And I want to play And we're back again with another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. A little later than we normally like to do it. Normally we go live on Tuesday nights. Uh, and it is Wednesday night. Pretty late for the East Coasters here, 11 o'clock. But, uh, you know, we did we did want to get it in. We had some things come up this week as life happens. And I also had a podcast that I committed myself to tonight through Fantrax. So shout out to them for uh, having me on that. In which I had some technical difficulties myself, which took a little longer. So um, anyways, here we are. But uh, we did want to get this out this week and get a, this podcast out because we feel like that was the thing to do uh we're calling it uh, a late nighter got the coffee ready and uh you know uh, old hashtag hedge live cody kutzer uh, looks like that he's a little tired there with uh, his hair that's uh like a bunch of spiders crawled on his head and we're having a meeting but uh, it is okay it is what it is a little a uh, little disheveled this is this is how i look after surviving the week 14 injury apocalypse so like you said man a little little late on the on the east coast here it's quarter after 11 but we're here, man. We we made it, and uh, we're gonna talk week fifteen and get everyone set for their for the second week of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know to start it off, you know, I guess I should uh, introduce ourselves. I am Kevin Steele, and you can find me on Twitter at fantasyrat13, and you can find Cody at ffff on Twitter. And again, as always, you can uh, hit us up, and we can get you into our Slack channel. Uh, we are winding down. You know, we are heading into week fifteen here. Uh, only two more weeks left until uh, we call it a wrap for the redraft season, anyway. But uh, if you're not, you know, you should be checking out the old DFS because, uh, especially fantasy 
or the playoffs. Uh, DFS playoffs is uh, where it is at um, for DFS. It is great times. But anyways, so let's just go ahead and jump into it. Like you already mentioned, uh, I, I actually tweeted out earlier in the week about um, you know it being the uh, fantasy equivalent of the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones this week. It's been kind of weird because I feel like we, we sort of talked about it earlier and um, where we talked about it in the year throughout the year that this year has been kind of weird. We haven't seen a ton of injuries and, you know, whether it, you know, we had some here and there, Tyree kill was out for a few weeks. Devontae Adams missed some time. Pat Mahomes missed a few weeks. You know, we had guys like big Ben, um, and Cam Newton get shut down. So, I mean, but we just really hadn't had any like major impact injuries really this year that really just kind of, uh, you know, changed the landscape of fantasy football. And it just so happened that it all just, uh, just all happened, um, uh, in, in one week. Uh, so uh, th- we have a lot to go through in terms of just injury news. So uh, we're, we're, we're still waiting for more on some of these other guys. But right now we know that Mike Evans is likely done for the year. Marvin Jones is out for the year. Calvin Ridley's done for the year. Alshon Jeffrey's done for the year. They place on Tate on IR. Um, Darius Geis, mm-hmm. who's looking promising, is on IR. Rashad Penny, finally, finally the man starts to do something and gets some opportunities and really starts to shine. And then now he is likely done for the year as well. So, I, I mean, there's so many different directions you can go here. I'm sure people that are in the playoffs, that are still in the playoffs, have Mike Evans. Um, you know, he, luckily enough, it wasn't an early uh, week in, or wasn't an early game injury, still had that 61 yard touchdown. So I think he had like 13 fantasy points. So that at least, at least he helps you out a little bit before he, uh, you know, poured one out to the homies for the rest of the year. So um, I guess let's just start, I guess, with these wide receivers um, in terms of the injuries. We can kind of just talk about them all kind of here in a broad scope. Because if you are like a Mike Evans owner, you know, are, are you running out and trying to add a Brashad Perriman or a, even a Justin Watson, who Justin Watson himself last week had eight targets, I think 59 yards and a touchdown? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely worth worth an ad whenever you have the the gunslinger himself, the, the quintessential DGAF quarterback of Jameis Winston. But, I mean, hopefully you have, have some stronger depth behind that. That's not a play where... I'm going to feel super confident because now uh, Scotty Miller is back. Uh, he returned to practice today after sitting out last week with the the hamstring injury. So I think it kind of remains to be seen how that rotation is going to work behind Chris Godwin. And now OJ Howard is getting more involved. So, I mean, that's definitely something you have to have to be aware of <clears throat> until we get some, like a clearer picture on how that is going to, like I said, going to parse out. That's that's a weird one. Um, in Detroit, I mean, it's to me, it's Kenny Galladay or bust. I mean, with Marvin Jones hitting IR, that one, that one kind of caught me off guard whenever I saw that come through. Um, Russell Gage, what, what are you doing with Russell Gage? Or is that someone that you'd be going out to get with Calvin Ridley hitting uh, hitting IR with that with that abdominal injury, or how are you playing that? You know, he, you know, if you go back and look at last week, I mean, he didn't really get more opportunities once Calvin Ridley left. So I don't know if that's really a direction that I really want to go. I mean, if you look at, um, I don't even, I'm going to butcher his names. Uh, 
Uh, Zacchaeus? Yeah, Zacchaeus. Um, he, you know, I mean, he had only got two targets, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he got more opportunity and th- than what Russell Gage got. And I, I don't know. Like, I, they still have Christian Blake there. Like, I don't know if Russell, Russell Gage is – like, I don't think he's going to be the direct beneficiary of this injury to Calvin Ridley. I think it could just – I think it's going to trickle along to guys. And especially – and this is a uh, terrible, terrible matchup for – you know, for the Falcons, they're on the road and the outdoors. I like guess one of the best defenses in the league. Like this is a tough spot. So, if, I mean, if I was a Kyle Ridley owner, I'd just be looking somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's kind of the the crazy thing with all these top guys. You know, number one or kind of one A one B receivers hitting hitting IR. Like, there's not anyone that that jumps out to me as you know run out to the waiver and you you gotta add them. Um, Devontae Parker. Had a concussion. Um, I guess he the the report today was that he was at practice, but in a non contact injury. So I don't know if he did anything off to the side or or anything like that. Um, but Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns became things last week because of that. And can we just fully appreciate Ryan Fitzpatrick, like <laughs> with with all the injuries that the Dolphins have dealt with, and then going out and just Isaiah Ford literally out of nowhere becomes a thing. Alan Hearns, I think he he also had like eight targets and he had he had himself a decent day. But like I said, man, that's a that's a weird thing with all these injuries is there isn't anyone that I'd be just running out to the waivers and throwing money at. And then you had somebody like that, or at least we thought, with DeAndre Washington kind of turning our attention to the to running backs now. And then it came out that Josh Jacobs looks like he's going to play after people are talking about look like he was going to be uh be shelved for the for the year with that shoulder injury which I mean I guess is is still a possibility the uh the report on the MRI came back today that it was structurally it looked a lot better than what they thought but then Gruden kind of came out and was like well that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play this week so I mean that's still a situation to monitor there as well but I know a lot of people were uh Pretty upset about that once that came through, and a lot of the waivers had already run for the week. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people spend a lot of fab or high priority waiver ads on. But I mean, who else are you going to add it on? You know, I mean, we're we're in week fifteen. You have two weeks left, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think what I mean, what else are you going to do? So yeah, I mean, it, it does. It is a shame. I remember in DF. I mean, in DFS last week, I, I pivoted to a ton of DeAndre Washington on the late, uh, you know, and uh, late swap. Uh, once that news came out, and I mean, he was he was great last week. I think he had twenty one fantasy points. Um, was was heavily targeted, which well, that was one thing that stood out to me. It was as many targets that he received because this is not something they've really done um, with. Mm-hmm. Josh, they haven't been feeding Josh Jacobs targets, and that's that's like one of Josh Jacobs' calling card coming into the league was his ability to, to catch passes. So I was surprised that they that they how many targets they really fed him. So uh, you know, you wish they would have they could have done that with Josh Jacobs this year. And not that Josh Jacobs has been bad by any means. Because he's probably he's probably the rookie of the year this year. I think that you know at least the offensive rookie of the year for sure. Uh, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head that really stands out as that it would be that that guy. Um, so, I mean, I hope they don't play him. You know, just for, you know, selfishly. You know, I went out and added him. Which let me. I, I do have a question. Okay, for because I, I saw this conversation this week on fantasy uh, on on the old Twitter sphere, uh, the, you know, hashtag fantasy Twitter. There was a conversation about you know if you are out of the playoffs, 
Should you be allowed to make waiver ads in like a region? My thing with this is now, if it's a league where there's no toilet bowl, there's no nothing to you know anything like that, then no, I don't think you really should. Then it is, yeah, it's kind of a dick move to be out here adding guys, you know, uh, over people. But I feel like if there's a, if there's a toilet bowl, like even, even if it's a marginal amount of money, if there's anything to be won, yes, I think then it's perfectly okay to to be able to go out and add, add guys. But I know if people are just like staunchly against it, like no, if you're out of the playoffs, you shouldn't be adding anybody. What is your thoughts? No, I totally agree. If there's anything on the line, even if, you know, you kind of do something, I know some people give money to the toilet bowl winner just to entice people to, you know, pay attention and keep playing throughout the, throughout the entire year. Um, Or even if, you know, in some keeper leagues, like I've seen some people kind of do it where you get your pick of the the draft for the next year, or that kind of starts the, the draft order, you know, I mean, if you're running the the same league with the same people year in and year out, so yeah, if, if there's nothing on the line, like you said, that's it's a dick move to add anybody like that. But if there's anything on the line at all, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. Like that, like to me, that would kind of defeat the purpose of having a toilet bowl if you weren't able to make moves. Like, what if your team was just completely awful? You know, because of injuries or you know you really messed up your draft for whatever reason. And now there's 50 bucks on the line, let's say in your, in your toilet bowl and you can't do anything to, to, to compete for that. Like that. I don't think, I don't find that fair either. That's why I think that, you know, fab is, is the best way to go. Or like we talked about, what was that two weeks ago or so at this point, um, having the, the rolling priority where if you don't move it, you get bumped up the list each week. Yeah. I completely agree because, like, so, like, in our home league, not that anybody cares, but it's uh, so, like, basically, the toilet bowl is is half of the entry fee to the league, and the, it's a hundred bucks a person, twelve team league. So, you know, it's fifty bucks, which you know isn't like obviously life changing at all. But you know, if they had fifty bucks, fifty bucks, right? And then you know, if you like, like me, a uh, good example is we also have uh, ten dollars a week for whoever has the highest score. For that week, and I, I have four weeks, I believe, of the highest. Uh, so, you know, hey, I can win my entry back. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. People get upset about everything. But, like I said, I, I feel like as long as there's something to play for, if it's a keeper league and you want to add some guys who maybe you think maybe have some intrigue for next year, you know, something like that. Like an A.J. Brown, for example, if he happened to be available, which I can't imagine he was. But, you know, I know there were some leagues that he probably was available in because he's been kind of hit or miss. But after that monster performance, he's somebody that I think that, had, that could have some real intrigue for next year so yeah i just kind of think i just thought that was interesting to see people really uh bitch complain about about that yeah crazily enough with uh just a touch on aj brown he was actually available and i think it was he was only 27 percent owned before waivers ran this week and i just uh just checked yahoo and he's up to 52 percent as of today so he uh he actually was pretty widely available across the majority of leagues Wow. Okay. So, yeah, in that same league, it's so tilting. I actually scored the most points last week. You know, I scored 178 <laughs> points. I'm like, unbelievable. And then I got this guy messaging me who's in the, who's in our league, and he's all upset because he's he's gonna get, he, he was gonna get kicked out of the playoffs. I'm like, dude, shut up. Don't come <laughs> bitching to me about your fucking problems. Your team sucks. You shouldn't even be in the playoffs. I should be in the playoffs. Like, shut up. You know, whatever. It's spilled milk, I guess, by me. But you know, being uh, tilting my face off that. I knew it was going to happen too. I knew it. I knew it. But regardless, uh, so 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we kind of hit on all the injuries, I believe. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes injured his hand against the Patriots. Uh, he said he's fine. They gave him an MRI. He got an MRI, came back negative. They've already said today that he's feeling much better. It's just, a, I think it's a bruise. So it's not that, it's not anything that serious. Um, I think we already hit on Rashad Penny. DJ Shark uh, was spotted in a walking boot. He did not practice today. So I'll have to mind it. There's a lot of guys that are questionable. So I think the other ones, if you really wanted to add something, maybe like a Danny Amendola. I didn't, we didn't really talk about that with Marvin Jones now going on IR. Uh, they don't really have anybody else. I believe they've also lost TJ Hawkinson. So, I mean, who yeah. are they going to throw the ball to at this point? So I think Danny Amendola, at least in PPR formats, is at least intriguing. So Right. And then uh, just just to kind of touch on some of the some of the other injuries, Adam Thielen return of practice today. Um, Mark Andrews is questionable after he left – on Sunday with that, what was ended up being like a knee bruise or something. Uh, Greg Olson was back. So if you had any, um, if you had any hopes of being able to stream Ian Thomas this week, should probably be looking, uh, looking elsewhere. And it seemed Evan Ingram came back for a, uh, for a limited practice today as well. So some guys going out, some guys coming back. It's just, uh, just that time of year, man. Like you said, it's, it's kind of crazy that it all just happened to, Happened to hit this week, but let's uh, let's get into some of these some of these matchups for the week, man. Yeah, so let's go ahead and start it off with week fifteen. So let's start it off with the quarterback position, like we do every single like we've been doing. You know, right now, I think for me, at least for me personally, I have obviously Lamar Jackson at QB one. Shocker, you know, like he gets the Jets. He has torched everybody this year. He put up what twenty four last week in a really bad and kind of a brutal matchup. Uh, or a tough matchup against the Bills. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson has been uh, matchup-proof, and now he gets one. Of, he's back to one of the best matchups. I mean, this dude could go out and score 45, so you're not even thinking about it. It's Lamar Jackson or bust um, at number one. And then, so, and then from there, for me, I love Jameis Winston this week. I know some people may be a little bit afraid of him. I know there's, it's been an interesting conversation with him all year. People have been so afraid. People, you know, trash him, say he's horrible. Whatever you think of him for fantasy purposes, he's great. Okay, Um, I think he's put up. He he has six or seven weeks this year where he uh, of QB one numbers, and for reference, Russell Wilson, who everybody is talking about being MVP, uh, I don't think as much anymore, but was in the conversation at least a couple of weeks ago, and how great he's been. He's only has six weeks of QB one weeks this year. So I mean, him and Jameis are right there on the same on the same plateau. But yes, Jameis Winston's going to throw interceptions. If you're in a league where those it's a negative four for interceptions, yeah, you don't want to play Jameis. However, if it's if it's just a typical negative two, negative three, yeah, play Jameis. You know, Jameis yeah. is crushing it. Uh, you know, he dropped what forty three, had four hundred and fifty yards passing, what five touchdowns last week, one on the ground. Uh, you know, now he gets Detroit this week. Now it, it will be it will be interesting to see how things play out now without Mike Evans on the field. But they were fine last week, uh, even without Mike Evans in the second half. So I think they have enough talent to get by. And Detroit's defense is not anything that scares me. So I have actually have Jameis Winston at my as my number two quarterback this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that that you even have to be slightly concerned about is is the hand injury. How much does that hold him back? And then. You know, going up against Detroit, they're you know, they're they're done. You know, I mean, they they've been done for a while. But the the only other concern would be they they get up early and then it's a it's a heavy dose of Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones because they're they're rushing defenses and isn't anything to be worried about either. Um, but yeah, I don't like NFL quarterback. 
you probably don't want him as your franchise quarterback, but for fantasy purposes, like you said, unless it's unless you're getting crazy deductions for you know fumbles and picks or anything like that, Jameis Winston has been awesome because every time it it happens feels like it happens every week too. Like I have him in a bunch of leagues, and I'll get the sleeper alert that you know Winston just threw a pick or a pick six or whatever, and it's you know the second or third throw the of the first drive and you just kind of, you know, drop your head and say, here we go again. But by the, by the end of the game, you're looking at 350 yards, three touchdowns and four turnovers. And, you know, he's still putting up those QB one weeks every single week. So yeah, man, I, I like that. I like that call a lot. Um, Drew Brees at home in the dome against Indy. You got to like that matchup as well. I mean, even though you want to talk about not having anybody else to throw to, I mean, Kamara has been a, a huge disappointment this year, and it's it's the Mike Thomas show. Everybody knows it, and nobody can stop it. So he's somebody I like. Um, dude, talk to me. Uh, we we're, we're talking uh, Slack. Someone asked a question about Ryan Tannehill this week over um, who was it, Tom Brady or Kyler Murray. I was on the Tannehill train. You said you would, you, you at the time anyway, that you think you'd rather play Murray or Brady. Um, talk to me about Tannehill because he's kind of been the been the hotness at, at quarterback. Is it just the is it the matchup this week at home against Houston? Um, is it just the the run first offense? What don't you like about Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, so, I mean, with Tannehill, like, I think on the surface, like, if this was a normal week, like, I think I may think differently. But now we're in the playoffs. Like, you have to think a little bit differently because of, you know, there is no next week for you. So, I, I think so. So, with him, like, one, yes, they, they are a run-first offense. They've only thrown – they only throw the ball, I think it's 43% of the time or something like that. Even last week, you go back to last week where he had a great week. I mean, he only put up – I mean, he only threw the ball 27 times. Like, that is certainly a concern for him. And so – you know, it's all going to depend on game flow here in, the, in this matchup. And and if you look at like one of his best ma- his best targets, like we just talked about, was AJ Brown. AJ Brown is certainly a deep threat, and that's kind of where he makes a lot of his his gain. The problem is, is that the Texans are number nine against deep passes. Like they they, they have been solid against the deep passes. Now they are terrible against short and intermediate passes. I think they're thirtieth in the league uh, in defending that. So right now, like. I don't know, you know, I think that you you view this game, especially being in Tennessee, where they're going to try to, you know, establish the run and they are going to try to, you know, keep Deshaun Watson off the field. I don't think this is a game where they have to throw it. Now, it, now if it goes the other direction and, um, you know, if, 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 ten, or if, excuse me, if Houston's able to, you know, get up quickly and score a couple touchdowns early and they're forcing Ryan Tannehill to throw, then maybe it'd be a little bit different. I mean, I know some people are going to look at this and say, well, wait a minute, look at what Drew Locke did to, you know, against them last week. You know, I, th- I think they just got, they just got caught, you know, caught sleeping on the Broncos thing and this was going to be an easy game. We don't have to worry about the Broncos. It's Drew fucking Locke. Who cares about that guy? You know, like we're not going to get beat by them and got, you know, just kind of came out and got punched in the mouth. Like we see it all the time in the NFL. Like there's very to the NFL like there's things that happen we just kind of can't explain it that's one of them I don't think Drew Locke is all of a sudden is gonna is gonna be some you know is a uh, you know is an elite level quarterback and all this other stuff I just I just think it was kind of one of those things so 
I, I think Tannehill can be a little bit of a trap. I still, I think I still have him as a QB one this week. But for like, I, I think Kyler Murray is in, is in a fantastic spot. And the, the other thing I really like about him is obviously his ability to pick up yards on the ground. I think this home matchup against Cleveland, you know, I think there's just a lots of like here in this game, and so. I like Kyler Murray as a bounce back. I know he seems people seem to be further down on him. Now, I grant it, he hasn't been great as a passer. I mean, really outside of a couple games this year, he hasn't been fantastic. But I, I just like this matchup a lot for him. And that, that's why I like Kyler Murray a little bit more. And I just think there's a lot of red flags around Ryan Tannehill. I mean, we're believing in Ryan Tannehill. Okay, like if you would have asked, like hell, if we would have said, if I would have said that eight weeks ago, uh, you know, people would have laughed at you, right? Like fucking Ryan Tannehill's not going to be like a legit option, but I mean, he has been, so I have to yeah. give him that. And I'm, if he does come out and does well, I, I'm not going to be surprised, but I just feel like Kyler Murray has a little bit more upside, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm looking at some of his numbers here, and he's had over 30 pass attempts twice since he's become the. Uh, the starting quarterback and his his line against Jacksonville three weeks ago, fourteen of eighteen for two fifty nine and uh, four scores. So I mean he's been doing it on some crazy crazy efficiency. Um, yeah, I, I I get it. I I see that. I I like. Like I said, I, I like him this week just because of it's the matchup. Um, Derrick Henry and that hammy. I mean, he he set out today, but apparently they said that's that's kind of part of the part of the plan and keeping, you know, trying to keep him fresh and have him ready. So, I mean, you, you got to think that Houston's going to want to come out swinging. I mean, the the divisional games do tend to be lower scoring just in general, but I mean, I I think if if you needed him as a as a streaming option, I think he he was definitely viable. So, um, where else? Who else do we want to talk about this week? Um. I mean, I like. I think. I think we can go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he has the the away matchup against the Giants. Um, obviously, there's nothing to be afraid of in terms of that matchup. The Giants are giving up the seventh most passing yards per game and the fifth highest uh, touchdown percentage <clears throat> touchdown percentage through the air. So, I think if again, if you need another kind of streaming option, you don't like what you have in your in your starters, or if you've just been Streaming that, uh, streaming the quarterback position all all year. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is someone that we can we can go back to. And you know, like I said in the in the beginning, it doesn't really seem to matter who is healthy and who is not. Just that that next man up, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is just going to degaff his way to you know two hundred and fifty yards and two scores. Is there um on the flip side? Is there anybody that you don't like this week? Or is there somebody that if you had him as your as your starter that you'd be looking to looking to sit at all? As like as I'm going through and looking at these matchups, like there's there's not too many that jump out to me where if you had somebody as as the starter that it's like, man, I really don't want to play him. Like someone like where you would feel better streaming somebody. It's tough because I'm sitting here looking at it, I'm like, uh like I don't think there's anybody that really like ultimately like stands out. Like I guess if you like maybe like a I mean I know I said I would start him over Tannehill, but like a Tom Brady I think is certainly questionable. That offense has looked awful. This is against Cincinnati. I still feel like this is a game where you could see the the Patriots lean on their their running game a little bit more than they typically would. Uh, I guess Josh Allen probably stands out to me as somebody against Pittsburgh. This Pittsburgh defense has been for real. It's the reason they they have the record that they have. Um, you know the thing with Josh Allen though is his rushing ability. 
are they going to be able to contain that? You know, I, I'm not hot, super high on Josh Allen. I think there's other guys I'd rather play. Like, you you know, I would rather play Ryan Tannehill in that matchup. Kyler Murray, you know, not that I think Kyler Murray is going to be readily available for people. But like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, even a Jared Goff, um, I think stands out as plays that I would probably, or people that I would rather stream over them. Or even maybe a Gardner Minshew, uh, you know, going against Oakland, I think is, is in a better matchup than what he is. So in terms of the ceiling, um, you know, somebody that I think people are going to have question marks about is going to be Carson Wentz this week going against Washington. They are, you know, we already talked about Alshon Jeffrey is out. You know, they're missing a ton of pieces. However, I mean, yeah. against Washington, I'm just not nervous about it. Like, I still would prefer to play Carson Wentz uh, in this matchup against the Redskins, a game they absolutely need. They still have Zach Ertz. I think, you know, Dallas Goddard, you know, even a Greg Ward uh, who has kind of stepped up a little bit. You know, maybe they get Nelson Aguilar back this week. So, you know, even without Alshon, like, I'm fine with Carson Wentz, and I think that he's in a fantastic spot. So I think a lot of people would rather, you know, there are people even looking to sit him, and I would rather play. I definitely yeah but the 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 matchup there isn't going to scare you the the thing with Wentz is he hasn't been great this year so maybe you do have a have a better option uh either maybe you stash somebody which I mean something we typically don't recommend especially at, at that position but maybe you have somebody stashed I mean somebody I think you could look to sit but I don't think you have to um I mean, Matt Ryan at San Francisco. That's it's not a great matchup, but I believe Sherman is out. So I mean, that'll that'll obviously help because he's he's kind of returned not not to his his Seahawk level play, but definitely better than how he was looking uh, last year, his first year in San Francisco. But I mean, other than that, man, that's that's a the nice thing, kind of just as as a general overlook for this week is. The guys that got you there, there's there's not too many matchups I see this week where it's like, all right, you should really think about uh, sitting him. So, I mean, I think unless there's anything else you you want to tack on here for the quarterback position, we can we can probably move on. Let's go ahead and jump over to running backs. Um, so this week, I think you know. Uh, not to hammer on the, the top guys, but I think some of the ones that are, I think, are the most interesting spots, I actually have, and this may be a little bit hot take, maybe I'm a little crazy here, but I have De- I have Derrick Henry as my number one running back this week in half-point PPR. So, I mean, Derrick, I mean, but it's hard not to. The dude has been a monster. Uh, I mean, it's, it's right back to Derrick Henry smash uh, time of the year where he's just absolutely hammered it and crushed it. So, I mean, right now, I mean, he's having his best year of his career right now. Uh you know, in 2019, I mean, he has, you know, 1,200 yards rushing, uh, 15 touchdowns. I mean, the, the guy's just been a monster. And so, you know, this matchup against Houston, like I said, I think they're going to really want to run the ball. You can run against Houston. I kind of went back and forth with him with him and Christian McCaffrey. Christian, Christian McCaffrey has not been getting as many opportunities on the ground. However, he's getting hammered with, with targets, right? So uh, the last two weeks, he's had 24 targets each of the last two weeks. And if you, if you add up, I mean, he has, I think, almost 50 or 50-plus oh, targets the last four weeks. Like, he's just being hammered with targets. So, you know, in PPR formats, he's definitely still number one. But half-point PPRs have Derrick Henry a little bit higher than him. But, you know, this matchup going against Seattle, I'm not really all that concerned with it. The problem with it with them is, though, is that they've just been getting hammered. Uh, and so they just haven't been able to run the ball, which – there is some concern, I think, now if they're 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 out of it, they're done, they're eliminated. Do they conti- Do you think they continue to feed him as much? Uh, with, with I mean, only a few games left in the year. Do you really want to continue piling on all these all these touches when you don't really need to? I mean, I think it would make sense to just shut him down for the 
for the year. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, there's there's no like they're obviously not in any kind of playoff contention whatsoever. Even if you know, even if they were to get help and have you know how we see each week, you know, if this team loses and this team wins, but if they beat them, or they tie here. Like I don't think there's any scenario in which uh, in which Carolina gets in, and this guy being the literally the centerpiece of your entire offense, I think they should look at you know sitting him down. It would suck for it would suck for me in the in the Scott Fishbowl for sure. But as a as a team and as, as an organization, like I definitely think that's something that they should look into. Um, as far as your Derrick Henry call at, at at one overall, doesn't really seem like it's it's that hot takey, man. Uh, looking at the Fantasy Pros consensus rankings, and he is number two behind McCaffrey. So uh, you you're definitely definitely not alone there with having uh, with having Henry as your top overall running back for for the week. The the only thing that scares me with Derrick Henry is the fact that he can get game scripted out of it because he does not catch a lot of passes, so th- that's certainly um, a real thing or something that that, that you should that people can be concerned with. But you're not sitting Derrick Henry no matter what anyway. Yeah, I mean there, there's just some concern there uh, with that. But you know some of the other guys that I think like Saquon Barkley, fan, one of the best matchups he's going to get all year. Now with Eli back, you know we know he is going to you know throw a lot of dump offs to him. We didn't see it as much last week, but they were able to kind of build a lead there against Philly pretty quickly. This is a much better matchup. Philly's defense is light and light years ahead of Miami. So um, Saquon's fine. Chris Carson. Now we talk about Rashad Penny. Now he's going to see 80% of the opportunities. So, I mean, these yep. top guys, the, the ones I would be concerned about would be like an Alvin Kamara, you know, again, but I think I mean, we don't have a choice. You're starting Alvin Kamara. If you got him, you're starting Aaron Jones. If you got him, who could Aaron Jones, we saw it last week. Again, he comes out and pops off and gets you 30 plus fantasy points. And then this yeah. week will probably come out and give you three. Like that's just, it's just what Aaron Jones has been. It's so frustrating. He's the, he's become the Tyree kill of running backs. So, um, let's get some more like interesting part of, of, of this, because again, you know, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you're not sending any of these guys. Um, but, Let's get to where a more of a range of probably guys you would at least consider, you know, either sitting or starting here. Um, what are you doing with guys like Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, Joe Mixon? Philip Lindsay is one of my uh, favorite starts this week, um, just based off the matchup and then also just based off of his usage over the past couple of weeks. That report came out that Fangio wanted to kind of give him the the bulk of the the work and kind of just commit to him instead of having that 50 50 split they had at the beginning of the year. Uh, and since, since that has come out, uh, Lindsay has at least 16 rush attempts in three of his last four games. And Royce Freeman hasn't reached a uh, double digit carry since week eight. Then if you look at the matchup, uh, Kansas city is behind only Carolina and giving up uh, half PPR fantasy points per game to the, to the running back position. So he's one of my favorite starts this week. I think if you have him, you can roll him out there uh, pretty confidently. And just one of those scenarios where you would think that Denver, you know, what, first of all, wants to attack their weakness. And that's where Kansas city's weakest. I think they're, they're passing defenses up to like, I think sixth overall in DVOA. So obviously there's, that's where the, the strength of that defense lies. And obviously you want to keep uh, Pat Mahomes and that offense off the field as much as possible. So I would expect a, a heavy dose of Philip Lindsay in that game. Um, David Montgomery 
also has another another solid matchup and uh, Mitchell Trubisky has he's looked pretty solid over the last couple of weeks, man. He's 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 making some throws. He actually looks competent compared to you know what we were looking at him as over the over the last couple of weeks. So if you know David Montgomery is a as a flex level starter, I wouldn't be mad at that because he's still obviously leading in carries between him and uh, him and Tariq Cohen. Um, has, he hasn't he hasn't been great. He hasn't been super efficient or effective with his carries, but he, over the last couple of weeks, 2016, 13, 14, 17. So he's, he's handling the, the bulk of the touches there. Joe Mixon is somebody that I would look to sit going up against new England. That's just, it's not a good matchup either way. He has been getting more work, especially over the last couple of weeks, ever since the, uh, the Raiders game, I think is that the one they were trailing for, the majority of the game and he still ended up getting like 30 touches or something Ravens, crazy like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so since then, like he's, it's kind of seemed like they have, uh, they have recommitted to, to him, but even with that volume going up against new England, you got to figure that new England's going to come out and just pound them or at least they, they should. So out of those couple that you mentioned, Mixon would be the one that I would definitely be sitting, uh, Montgomery, I think you can get away with playing him as a as a flex level kind of guy, and then um, Philip Lindsay, yeah, definitely in the in the RB two conversation for this week. Yeah, so let me let me get back to this real quick. We do have a question. I want to answer those as they come in. What's up, guys? Pick two: Mahomes, Dak, or Winston? You know, th- there's Ooh. more of a there's more of a question, Amok, that you would think uh, behind a Mahomes than you would on a normal week. But I know Winston's a lock for me. Like I said, I have him as my number two quarterback. I can see the argument, as crazy as it sounds, to go Dak over Mahomes. Just because I feel like that really ever since that injury has happened with him, that he hasn't, we haven't really seen that huge explosive game. Now, I guess, you know, against Tennessee, he did have 400 yards passing. But, and I'm the biggest Mahomes truther, homer, whatever you want to call it there is, right? Um, You know. I wear Patrick Mahomes pajamas when I go to bed and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, but the, it is notable uh, that he just hasn't been really the same. Like we're not seeing the the sort of, you know, the magic, if you will, from him where he's running around and scrambling and making these crazy plays. The offense just really hasn't been as in sync. They, they, we do have a lot of missing parts that are coming and going out of the offense and stuff like that. The, you know, it's about, been only a couple of weeks that these that all the pieces have been there. But I still, with that all being said, I just can't see myself sitting Mahomes. Um, you know, going against that. You know, I, I think it would, I still have to go Winston and Mahomes. But uh, if you wanted to go Dak, like I know I'm hedging here, like I wouldn't be upset about it. You know, I just think Winston's a lock for me. Yeah, I'd agree. That's that's one of those ones, man. Where if if I had the guts to sit Mahomes and then he goes off, like you know, I'm I don't know, man. That's just that's just one of those ones where I just wouldn't be able to to live with myself. Like that would just make me sick to my stomach. Like I, I, I'm gonna roll Mahomes and Winston there, but like you said, little little hedge life for for the both of us. I I could see wanting to start Dak, but um, give me Mahomes and and Winston in that case. Yeah. I just... You know, he has that. Uh, I don't know. Like it's tough, right? <laughs> to even consider it. But I mean, they just haven't been playing as well. And I, I could see this game turning out to be much more like Oakland a couple of weeks ago, where they still were able to put up twenty eight points to kind of steamroll the Broncos. 
but in a game where they just don't really have to utilize Mahomes that much, and you know they get on the goal line and Shady runs one in and. Damian Williams, if he comes back, or Spencer Ware, whomever, you know, finds the end zone. And then, you know, he only throws for one touchdown, 300 yards and a touchdown. Like, it just doesn't do anything for you. So, I could see it. I know I'm trying to talk myself into it. But, on the other hand, I could, you know, it wouldn't shock anybody if he goes out and throws up 403. I, I just think matchup-wise, I feel like that this he's in a, still a better matchup than what Dak is. The Rams' defense has been much, much better lately. They continue to come on. They're kind of that team that's kind of that late that late season um, run right now. And, I mean, they just made the Seahawks look terrible last week. I know this, that game wasn't home. This game, this game is on the road. So, But still, like, it's hard to – and as bad as the, the Cowboys. Yeah, there's, there's obviously nothing data-wise – to speak to this, but it like, it just feels like, and I, I hate this. I hate when people say this, but, but I'm going to throw this out there. It just feels like Mahomes is due for, you know, one of his just absurd games. Like we, we haven't had one of those from him for a while. So, and like I said, I, I, I hate that narrative. Like that's nothing you can really, you can obviously like act upon. It's more of a more of a gut call, but like it it really does just feel like Mahomes is due for one of his, you know, four hundred and four kind of games. Yeah, so uh, hopefully that helped. I know we uh, hedged a little bit there, which I hate. That is like the antithesis. I hate it. It's like my pet peeve for myself. I never want to do it because that's not what we're about. But I think this is a tough matchup, and this is a tough this is a tough one. It's in the playoffs, so I think talking through it was probably a good idea. But, yeah, it's still Mahomes and Winston for me. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully you get that dub. We'll see you next week for that fantasy championship. And uh, <laughs> So, anyways – uh, let's go back to the running backs that we were kind of discussing here. Um, Philip Lindsay, I think, is in a great spot. Whether whether they get down, uh, whether they're they're trailing, I still think they utilize him as a pass catcher. They're still going to try to establish the run a little bit here, as you mentioned. It's kind of been the blueprint to stop the Chiefs is is to keep them off the field, to stay in long drives, um, utilize your running game. That's kind of how teams have been able to beat Kansas City, whether it's on the road or at home. Uh, as you, the Chiefs are number three in uh, fantasy points per game on the season. Um, they've just kind of been wrecked uh, by that. Yeah, I think Philip Lindsay is in a tough spot. Now, the only thing that would be so tilting is, you know, all of a sudden they decide to give Royce Freeman, like, you know, 30K or give him like 50 to 60% of the snaps or something like that all of a sudden, which we've seen it this year. So um, I don't think Philip Lindsay's a lock, but I just think this is a great spot for him. So I mm-hmm. actually have Philip Lindsay as my RB13, just outside of an RB1. I do like David Montgomery. It's tough, though, because, you know, we don't ever know which way they're going to use him. If they're trailing, then you, it could be very well be much more of a Tariq Cohen type of game. But, you know, I, I still think, you know, if you have him, I think at the very least is a flex option. I think that that's an interesting play. Um, past that, you know, like we talked about, if Josh Jacobs does miss this game, which I'm hoping that DeAndre Washington becomes a lock as an RB2, especially against yeah. Jacksonville. Jacksonville has been horrendous against the run. I mean, they've given up the second most fantasy points. They've allowed, you know, 1,000 or they've allowed 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground so far this season. The only team that's been worse is Carolina, who has given up 1571 and 21 rushing touchdowns, which is uh, just terrible. So, um, you know, another thing that, you know, talk about film Lizzie as well, too, that the Chiefs have been really bad against, against pass catching backs as well. They've allowed the, you know, 77 receiving or 77 receptions, and they've allowed the most receiving yards to the position as well. So, 
Yeah, so I think there's just a lot to like on Phil or on Phil Lindsay this week. So past that, you know, what are you doing with a guy like Raheem Mostert? I know we talked about him last week. Uh, are you feeling comfortable enough to to play him again against Atlanta? That was somebody I was hoping I was going to be able to ask you about and not have to answer this one. Um, but it, dude, it seems like they're they're right in the hot hand with him. Uh, Tevin Coleman has basically been relegated to you know breather duties. You know, I mean, he's getting, what, two, three carries a game. So, like, I don't think you have to worry about him. Uh, Matt Breida, he's he's always somebody who who I think could come in and maybe he has the, you know, the the kind of explosive plays, the big chunk yardage, and that that kind of flips. But right now, man, it just seems like they're they're riding the, the hot hand with, with Raheem. So he's somebody you picked up off a of waiver, so you should have – players ahead of him that are in in more predictable spots where you can look at their usage and, and feel better about it. But if you don't, like, you know, as a, as a flex-level play, I, I think you can roll them out there. Um, there's nothing with Atlanta that really, that you know, that like the matchup's going to bother you at all. The only thing there is, I mean, even though Coleman's only getting three to four touches per game, that's still three to four. It's taking away from from Raheem and if Brita is healthier and they want to get him more involved, he's obviously going to take away, take away more touches than uh, Coleman is. But I, I still think that you can, you can roll him out. I mean, they're having, having Manny Sanders throw him touchdowns and they're getting him involved all over the field and in, in a bunch of different ways. So yeah, I, I definitely think you can, you can roll him out. Um, do you have any different different thoughts on him? And then someone I'll throw to you. Uh, what are you doing with Austin Eckler this week after his after his ridiculous week fourteen? Yeah, so I mean, I th- it's hard not to play him, right? Um, I mean, the, the dude's been a money the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you roll him out there as a flex. You know, if you have him, I, I don't know. I don't know how you don't. I mean, the, this it, the the Falcons have been have been decent against the run this year. So I, I do think it's a little bit more of a question than, than what you normally would, but they are home favorites. Kind of everything Matt aligns for them. They've been, you know, one of the best running teams in the league this year. So yeah, I, I think you could, uh, a spot you could go to would be, would be with him. Then, you know, Austin Eckler, you can play him every week, right? I think that if this is a back and forth game or a high scoring, he's going to get plenty of opportunities as a pass catcher as well. You know, he's certainly the more explosive one. I know there's been talk of that maybe they could bring Melvin Gordon back, but at this point, as well as Austin Eckler played, why why even think about bringing him back? You know why pay him all this money whenever you still have Austin Eckler on a rookie deal? You know, like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. So I like Austin Eckler. I have him ranked ahead of him. I have Austin Eckler right now um, as my RB uh, as my RB twenty. So. Again, you know, Minnesota, I think, you know, a tough team to run on. So I think you expect a little bit more on the ground. Um, you know, some other ones that I guess I want to talk about. You know, one that I think not as many people are going to be on um, and people will probably sit is Marlon Mack. You know, going against New Orleans, you know, on paper, you look at this, and you're like, well, this probably isn't great, right? Like, this is a terrible matchup. The, the Saints have been great against the run. You know, what's there really to like about this? Why would you even play them, especially if they get behind because they don't utilize them as a pass catcher as much? My thing is, is that they play Sheldon Rankins on IR today and Marcus Davenport on IR. That's, that's a pretty cool. two big hits on their, on their defensive line. And so... Honestly, I I think that that opens things up a little bit more. I think if you, if you're the, if you are the Colts, 
that's that's what you're going to want to do. That's the only way I could see them being able to keep up with them uh, with, with the with the Saints is trying to keep Drew Brees off the field. So I think playing some Marlon Mack like isn't the craziest thing in the world. Where I think a lot of people are going to want to sit him, especially you know last week he did save some some people with that touchdown that he was able to get. But I mean it wasn't great. Thirteen for thirty eight, I believe. Yeah, I mean I I did not did not see that. Um, I know last week they were without two of their starting linebackers as well. So I mean yeah, man if 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 they're if they're missing two of their starting linemen and two of their starting linebackers, I mean that that matchup definitely looks a lot better than than what than what it typically would. Um, is he somebody you're going to be playing in a lot of DFS? Just given what what you were talking about, like his ownership's probably going to be suppressed because of what you were just saying. Well, since they play Monday night, uh, he's not on the main slate. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, if you're playing, like, a Good showdown call. slate, like, he's certainly an interesting play because I don't think many people are going to be on him. Good call. Um, is there anybody else, I mean, uh, so we, before we jump over to wide receiver, is there anybody else, like, a, you know, a lower-end guy that maybe you might be have some interest in? You know, like a Jamal Williams who's had some opportunities and kind of has his weeks where he's, uh, you know, whenever he gets more opportunities out of the backfield as a pass catcher because he's the preferred pass catching back there. Um, or even a guy like Sony Michelle and what looks to be a great matchup against the Bengals. I can't do with Sony Michelle anymore. I, I tried. I was I – was, you know, pound the table for him at the beginning of the year. I didn't understand why people were so low on him. And uh he 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 did me dirty, man. So like like it it looks like a great matchup, but he's also he's also been in these spots before. Um I mean last week against Kansas City he had what five rushes for eight yards or something. Like like something just completely ridiculous. So that's I mean, with with how disappointing he's been all year, again, that's probably like I would start Mostert over him super easily. Like that's one that I I wouldn't even think of. Um, someone further on down the list, like if you know if if you're desperate, hopefully you're not at this point in you know the the second week of your of your playoffs. But I mean, I think you might be able to go back to you know we I was t- talking about him earlier when we were talking about quarterbacks, but. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber um, going up against Detroit. Like I said, this this should be something where Tampa Bay should be able to control this game from from beginning to end, even with as bad as their secondary is. Like this this will be the the true test of just how awful their secondary is. Right, going up against the third string quarterback with nobody outside of Kenny Galladay to throw to. So this will this will be interesting. That you know see just how bad they are but Detroit's lying the fourth most fantasy points per game um just it, it's a situation where like I said if you're if you're desperate maybe you're in a in a deeper league where you know like a 14 16 team league or you have an extra flex spot or two um with as disappointing as it's been for Ronald Jones after it came out that you know he was going to be the guy and he was going to get the the bulk of the carries well, they've they've kind of went back to that fifty fifty split. So, for as far as plays further on down the list, like those are those are two that I I think you could roll out as as flex level plays given given the matchup. Other than that, man, I like I said, I, like I really don't think that there is 
there's really much else to talk about as far as as far as running back goes. So let's go ahead and jump over to wide receiver. Again, like I said at the beginning of the beginning of the show, this is something where this week, like there's really not too many too many matchups that I'm overly concerned about um, when it comes to having to having to think about sitting somebody. Um, Tennessee on paper, like they're they don't they don't seem to be an awful secondary in terms of what they're giving up and for fantasy points and everything, but they have had some injuries in, in their secondary. So, I mean, you're not, you're not sitting D hop by any means at all, no matter what the matchup is. He's one of those matchup proof kind of guys, especially with Watson back there. He's, he's always, he's always liable to go out and just make one of those ridiculous, you know, Houdini kind of escapes and throws. So, but that's someone where, you know, you, you might not be expecting that much from D-Hop if you're just looking at it in terms of, you know, season long and what Tennessee's been doing on defense, but you're not going to be scared off of anything there. Um, somebody, so you might be looking at and kind of worried about Allen Robinson. They have the uh, the road game division at Green Bay, but earlier in the year, I think he went that first game, he went, what, seven for one of yeah, 13 targets, seven catches, 102 yards. So I don't think he's somebody you have to worry about either if you're rolling him out as a as a wide receiver two or a flex option there. Um, Keenan Allen, Minnesota, that's, that's another one of those defenses like Jacksonville where you're looking at it and at the beginning of the year that looks like a team that you should be worried about. Minnesota has been has been getting burned all year. The only thing that I'd be nervous about with that matchup isn't even with Keenan Allen in the secondary. It would be Minnesota's defensive line going up against the Chargers' offensive line. It just might be a game where Rivers doesn't have a lot of time, but with Keenan Allen operating in the in the slot, uh, he should have those those quick short passes readily available to him. So Keenan should still be able to give you double digit points even in a half PPR league. Um, in terms of anybody that you're looking at, you know, good matchup, bad matchup, someone that you're thinking about sitting for wide receiver, Kev, is there is there anybody that jumps out to you? What are you looking at just kind of as a as an overall overarching look at the at the receiver plays this week? One, uh, you know, some guys that say that to you at the top that I think people should be feeling pretty good about this week outside of the really obvious plays. Um Jarvis Landry really kind of stands out. Like he hasn't it's been somebody that a lot of people, especially in redraft, that have really talked about um, all that much. But I mean, if you just look at his numbers over the last four weeks, like I love this matchup for them. Like he's kind of been the wide receiver yeah. one, despite having uh, Odell Beckham there. But I mean, his weighted opportunity rating is number one on this, uh, you know, uh, this week at, at 0.72, which opportunity rating is target share um, plus. Mar- uh, or air yards and their uh, target share combined. It's a great stat you can go find over on airyards.com. Um, shout out to Josh Hermsmeyer who offers that stuff for free. But that's a great thing to kind of look at as a barometer of how players are doing over the last four weeks. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And then you also, one thing that really stood out to me when looking into him is 
his uh, yards per route run. Like he's typically a guy that we kind of talk about as kind of that short, short area guy that that's underneath intermediate routes. That's who he's always was. Even last year uh, in Cleveland, that's kind of who he was. But this year, it's kind of changed. Like over the last four weeks, he's, he has a 2.7 yards per route run, which is pretty solid. I mean, those are up there with some of the top guys, especially the deep threats, you know. And so. I really like to see, you know, you like to see that over the last four weeks. He's also averaged 85 yards. So this is a terrific matchup. Um, excuse me, uh, tennis or excuse me, Arizona. You pretty much can beat them anywhere. They're they're 30th uh, against defending the deep ball. They're 32nd and 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 the uh, in short routes. So overall, like I think Jarvis Landry is a fantastic play this week. And if you got him, you feel fantastic while playing him. He is uh, a wide receiver one for me this week. Sticking with uh, sticking with Cleveland, what are you doing with Odell Beckham? Like, like, dude, like that matchup is like you couldn't ask for anything better. But I mean, what the the news came out that I think Baker was kind of slamming the uh, the athletic training team and the doctors, just saying that they misdiagnosed his injury and it should have been a, like a, a one to two week absence at the, at the beginning of the year, but he's just been banged up since because of that sports hernia. Um, is he somebody you would debate that you would debate sitting? Yeah. I mean, you look at the results that he's, that he's yielded. I mean, so 5.9 against Cincinnati, great matchup, right? I mean, one that you easily want to target him 5.9 Pittsburgh, 5.9. Now against Miami, he did get 20.4, uh, six catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. But then you go back, Pittsburgh, 10. Like, it just hasn't been a great year. He only has two touchdowns on the season. Depending on who you have and what's available to you, yeah. I mean, I think you can – even though it's a great matchup and everything else, you know, like, you could sit Odell Beckham, right? Um, I'd be interested to know how many people that are that are still – that are in the playoffs that actually own Odell Beckham, right? Like, because he's somebody that people probably draft with their second overall pick. And this hasn't really worked out this year for, you know, whether it's been injuries or what, what have you. So, I mean, it really would depend on what your other options would be, um, depending on if you could sit them or not. Like, you didn't have anything great. Like, yeah, I think you have to roll them out there. But, you know, if you have it, you know, if you could pick up like an A.J. Brown, for example, who has played, you know, has been a monster, uh, especially lately. You know, I, I think I would, I would, I would, I would play AJ Brown over him. I would play Corton Sutton over him. Um, I would have conver- I would really be thinking hard about a guy like Christian Kirk or Michael Gallup um, playing him over him. Like, it, it, I think that's where we've gotten with Odell Beckham. Yeah, man, it it sucks. Like, so like, given where you drafted him, and then especially at this point of the year, your fantasy playoffs, this matchup. I think I think you have to look at you have to look at potentially sitting him. Like if if you sit him uh, this week, like I don't think it's crazy. And just to touch on what you were saying with uh, Jarvis Landry, over fourth amongst uh, wide receivers in air yards. So just just kind of to add to what you were saying with, um, yeah, fourth. Um, just to add to what you were saying with you know kind of what his role has. His what he was kind of locked into the first first couple of years of his career, and now he's uh, he is fourth in air yards, just behind Robbie Anderson. Here's another uh, here's another one that threw me off. Julian Edelman is second, D Hop, and then uh, and then Landry. So I just found that found that interesting. Um, what if you happen to have both 
Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel on the same team, which obviously that that trade happened halfway through the year. Um, do you have a, a strong opinion on who you would want to start with with either of those? And side note, I am asking because I have to make that decision in a uh, in a dynasty league. So yeah, it's a tough one. You know, uh, the, the, I guess the only scary thing with this one is. Are they really gonna have to throw the ball? Like Atlanta's offense is good enough to be able to um, to be able to you know keep up with with San Francisco and kind of keep it a game, especially with the Richard Sherman injury. Like that could be end up being a pretty big a pretty big deal for them because yeah. that's kind of a lockdown side that they had. And so um, I guess we'll see how that turns out. And we know you know Atlanta, you know they still have Julio, they still have Austin Hooper, so they I mean they still have some weapons there. So I would probably lean if I had to gun to my head, I would probably lean. Emmanuel Sanders, but I think it's super close. I think you could play either one of them. Probably feel good about. So yeah, I mean, I think flip a coin right now. Uh, maybe ask me again later in the week when I you know look a little bit more into it. But yeah, right now I think early I would do I would do Emmanuel Sanders. Let's go ahead and we have another question from Daddy Cooley. That, I like that name. Uh, James Connor. This is a tough one. James Connor, Marlon Mack, or Josh Jacobs. Like we like we already talked about. Just Josh Jacobs may not play. He may play. He may not play. If he does play, I don't think you feel confident that can he finish the entire game. What's his usage going to be like? James Conner, same thing. Returning from if he plays this week, I think he returned to practice, or he's practicing this week. You know, but that's what they're playing. What Buffalo this week? Yep. Yeah, that is a not good matchup. Now, I will say, you know, you can run against against Buffalo. That is an area of their, uh, area of weakness for them. But how again? How many how many opportunities is he's going is he going to see? You know, are they going to, I highly doubt they go out there, run him out there, and he gets 60 to 70% of the backfield. Like with all the other options they have, they've, they've proven they don't really need him to win. Like I can't imagine they just load him up with, with, with a ton of options. And then, you know, the Marlon Mack one, which I kind of talked about the play that I really like, but it's still super risky because if they fall behind, yeah. it's night night for Marlon Mack. Uh, yeah, like absolutely. I mean, I think if. Oh, and he also has uh, Monster and Camara. Dude, how absurd is that? Is like that's even like a potent like that like that's even an option. Like, well, I do have Kamara if I had to start him. Like, dude, talk about like is would he be the the front runner for biggest bust for you? Just kind of kind of off subject. Uh, I think it'd have to be David Johnson. You you would pick DJ over over Kamara. Yeah, I think D- David Johnson would be a bigger bust. Though he did come out of nowhere last week and catch a touchdown. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> where did this come from? Yeah, uh, back to the question. Um, that like, if if we get the news that Josh Jacobs is is gets cleared, he is going to play, and he's expected to to handle the, like a full workload. I I think he would be the one out of the, out of those first three that I would I would lean on. Um, Connor got a full practice in today. Um, and just a side note, Juju is also expected to return this week. And if there's a if there's a weakness on that Bills defense, it is their run D. They're they're a lot easier to to run on than they are to to be thrown on for sure. So, I mean, I would still expect just with with the way that they have used him in the in the past. I mean, I think Connor's probably you know if they, they've held him out for what three games, four games now. So they, you know, with as crazy as it sounds, they are in playoff contention. I think they have the the final wild card spot as of right now, trying to hold off, uh, hold off Tennessee. Um, 
just with the way they they've used him in the in the past. I mean, I think you can still realistically expect probably like thirteen to fifteen touches. I I would think um, they're they're just one of those teams that they although like the past couple of weeks have been super weird with getting Kareth White and Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels involved, but. I think if if Connor is is truly fully healthy or as healthy as he can be at this point of the season, I th- I think he gets he gets the bulk of the workload. Um, man, who who would be your your top three out of all of those out of all those options? So like let's say he's he's rolling out two running backs and a and a flex. Who would who would you be rolling out there? Is is Mossert locked into to one of those for you? I think he's locked into one of those spots for me. I think if it was me, I would go Kamara for sure, and then Jacobs if if he is going to play. It's just way too good of a matchup against the Jaguars. The Jaguars horrendous. Yeah. We've already talked about that. They're, they're, it's so risky though, just because of, of re-injury. If something happens, they immediately pull him. Do they limit him? But I, I think you have to roll out. I think I would have to still roll out Josh Jacobs. Like I would feel like the biggest idiot if I sat him and. He goes for a hundred and a touch, you know. So I think it would be them too. And then I think the decision comes down to James Conner, Marlon Mack, and Raheem Mostert. And that's, I think I probably would go. That's tough. You know what? I probably would go James Conner. The more I think about it, the more I think about it. if he if he gets in full practice this week and he is ready to go, I think it's just a better matchup. I think you know he would be the definite RB one there. And I, I you know with. In San Francisco, they still have Tevin Coleman. They still have Brita. They still have Jeff Wilson. You know, like, not that I – it's not as, as good of a matchup. Atlanta's been decent against the run this year. So, I think I would probably go James Coleman. Just for reference, the Bills are uh, sixth in pass DVOA, and they're 17th in run DVOA. So, they're kind of middle of the road, um, pretty just pretty average against the run. So, yeah, I think I would go Connor. Yeah, that's that's tough. Because if you're swinging for upside, right? Like that's that's what we're swinging for now. And you're you're in the playoffs this week 14. You know, there's no next week for you. You you just have to go with upside here. And I think James Conner represents the most upside for me of, of the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, Mostert could it could you know have another good game, but right now, like I think I would go James Conner and then Josh Jacobs, Kamara. Now, in the event that Josh Jacobs was ruled out, then yeah, I would probably slide in Mostert, and then I would also ask DeAndre Washington, which I'm sure he's not, because I'm pretty sure he's pretty much the number one waiver ad. Yeah, I would. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Washington, Washington jumped up to. Uh, he only has 32 percent ownership in in Yahoo League, so he he, he can, he's still out there. Yeah, so pretty much that was the longest. Uh... <laughs> Our style, that's what we do. Uh, we just kind of go go the, the whole way around with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, though, like with at the, at the beginning of the show, like there's when it when it comes to like these start sit decisions, like there's there's not too many, there's not too many too many matchups that are really having you like thinking about like sitting your studs. So the the guys that kind of got you there. Like this week isn't isn't a great week as far as you know starting sits go outside of like a you know like an Odell Beckham, but the only reason why you're thinking about sitting him has not like literally has nothing to do with the matchup. He's just been super disappointing. Um, would you roll out somebody like Darius Slayton with uh, with the Giants matchup going up against Miami? Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> It's your, yeah. it's your boy. You know, went ham last week against the, the Eagles, especially in the first half where he had, what, 150 yards and two, t- and two tutties. So, 
Yeah, uh, this is a great Darius Slayton week uh, against Miami. Um, they pretty much can be beaten at all quadrants of the field. So, uh, you know, uh, Eli really showed a pretty strong chemistry with him. I think him and Sterling Shepard are in both pretty good spots. So, um, yeah, you know, I think this is the this could be the Eli, you know, blow up week where all of a sudden he's like, you know, maybe I will come back next year, you know, uh, against Miami where he gets a little uh, ahead of himself because he actually didn't look terrible. I mean, against the against the Eagles. No, like, dude, like, I, although I think it was that maybe one of the first passes he had to, the one to Slayton on the left sideline. It wasn't, it wasn't a touchdown, but it was, it was like one of his deep throws. And it, it looked like he put everything to throw, man. It was like a 30 air yard kind of, kind of throw. So it was just like, man, if, <laughs> if, if he had to throw that ball two or three more yards, I don't think he would make it. But ju- just in general, I think just as a whole, like a a team, I think I would just be sitting completely would be the Jets going up against Baltimore. If you're looking for that boom bust kind of guy, I would rather play Slayton over somebody like Robbie Anderson. That's that's just a, a matchup where I I want nothing to do with any of the pieces on on the Jets side. Um, and if you're looking at playing Crowder, you you definitely have a a piece on your team, or at least you should, that offers that same you know, that, that same floor, if you're looking for a floor, but like you said, at this point, you're, uh, you're not playing, not playing for next week is the only week you're playing for. So, I mean, if you need somebody further on down, if DJ chart doesn't play Chris Conley, you know, I have to, I have to talk about him, get my, my weekly Chris Conley plug in, um, at Oakland, you know, that, that might be a game where literally Oakland runs away with it in the, in the beginning, so maybe we see some Minshew magic and getting hooked up with with Conley and D.D. Westbrook if uh, if Chark sits. Other than that, man, I, there's not any any else that's that's really jumping out to me. We already talked about Watson and Perriman at the at the beginning of the show. Um, obviously, if Devontae Parker gets cleared and plays against the Giants, you're you're going to roll him out. Uh, would you? Would you start Juju Smith-Schuster? Like I said, he I think he was a full full participant uh, today. He's he's definitely expected to return, uh, but going up against Buffalo, you got to figure he's going to get the the Trey White treatment. Is he somebody that you would throw out in in his first game back? <clears throat> Again, it would really depend on who you had. I think you have to be pretty desperate because this is not a great matchup. This is a team. So These are going to be two teams that are really going to want to run the ball. And neither one of them are going to kind of open it up. So I can't imagine that he gets a ton of opportunities. And it's just not a great matchup. Like we talked about, Buffalo's sixth and past DVOA. It just hasn't been Juju's year. But, I mean, if you were desperate and just didn't have any any other options, yeah, I, I would roll him out there. But I just wouldn't feel confident in it whatsoever. I just think there's better. There's, there's just some better options um, down the line. Um, you know, like I already mentioned with Darius Slayton, you know, you could make a case for an Anthony Miller who's seen a ton of more, uh, who's gotten uh, a lot more targets. Zach Pascal um, in, a, in a matchup against the Saints where they're going to have to be throwing the ball a ton. You know, I just, you know, Chris Conley, like you mentioned, if, if we end up seeing where DJ Chark, where it's really looking like he's really unlikely to play this week, you know, Chris Conley becomes uh, a pretty, a pretty nice 
add, in my opinion, somebody that I would look at because I think he has a ton of upside going against Oakland. Oakland's just a terrible pass defense. So, you know, that's a direction you could go or you, you could play. I would I would consider playing over him. And, you know, if it's PPR, like we already mentioned with Danny Amendola, and we already talked about the other two. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot of other options that I would have to get pretty desperate. Even uh, Nelson Aguilar, which we didn't mention, which I think there's a, a decent chance that he could return. Um, this week, uh, right now, I, I think they said that his status is up in the air, um, for next week, but we'll see what happens with him. But we, there's just a lot of things to monitor this week to see how everything's going to yeah. shake out. And so, right. But like I said, I just wouldn't feel super fantastic about playing somebody like them. Hey, can we talk about this just real quick before we move on to tight ends? What the fuck has happened with Brandon cooks? Like, did he just die? I don't know. Like, I wish I'd. I saw a tweet. I can't remember who put it out, but it was just talking about um, like the the snap percentages and the and the routes run. And I, I'm pretty sure Cook was last in both of those on that on that last game. He he played the fewest uh, played the fewest snaps and ran the fewest amount of routes. Like it like I was I was talking to one of my uh, one of my buddies about it, and the only thing I could think of was maybe after he started to play. Uh, last week that like maybe some of those concussion symptoms started to roll through. So they, you know I mean? They, they pulled him back because obviously they were treading with that pretty lightly when they held him out for what it was like two or three weeks when they were trying to, you know, get him to the, to the specialist and get him tested and all that. But it's weird, man. It's, it's, I mean, I, I honestly have, I have no idea what to, what to think about it. He was always, you know, kind of a, kind of a boom bust guy, but like now he's not even, He's not even getting the the targets and the opportunities, and he's not even he's not even on the field when when he is active. So it's just been, you know, hopefully that there's there's a an explanation for, it and it's not just, well, he's he's not playing good, so we'd rather roll out Josh Reynolds. Um, but yeah, dude, that that's just one of those ones where I have no no explanation for it. I have I like I'm really not sure what to think of it, but it, you know, it, it's, it sucks to not have, you know, not have an exciting player like him out there. Maybe it's just a case of that they, that um, Goff doesn't have the time because of how bad that offensive line has been and how much we've seen Goff struggle that they're like, you know, we're not even going to bother putting him out there because Goff isn't going to have the the time or the accuracy to, to hit him downfield. But it's, it's a, it's a weird one, man, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a situation we monitor over the offseason. Uh, do they move on from him? I don't know. I mean, between him and Sammy Watkins. I mean, remember Sammy Watkins? Sammy Sammy Watkins, week one, it was pants off over here for uh, Hedge Life, and it has been uh, deathly quiet from Mr. Sammy Watkins since then. That dude is definitely going to be looking for a new job next year because he will not be playing for the Chiefs. Yeah, ever ever since week one, it has been, uh, it has been pants on and uh, chastity belt for me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we pretty much kind of hit through all the all the wide receivers, at least for now. It's just so many injuries, it's kind of hard to project. So let's go ahead and jump over to tight end. Obviously, if you have Kelsey, Earth, Kittle, Waller, Hunter Henry, and probably even Austin Hooper to an extent, I think you just lock them in. We don't, we don't have to have a conversation about those guys. I think Ertz and Kittle, especially Ertz. I mean, Ertz could see 20 targets this week. Wouldn't really surprise me with how little they have there. Um, George Kittle. Great, good, uh, great matchup against Atlanta. 
You know, uh, so, so from there, I know some people are going to want to play like a uh, David and Joku, who's, uh, but I do believe that he's also questionable. You know, if he's back this week or if he's able to play, if they're playing Arizona, we kind of talked about it on last week. Of course, Vance McDonald did absolutely nothing with that opportunity, um, which I think uh, you were a little bit more hesitant to play Vance McDonald than I was. But, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess. But, um, among past those guys, like once we get past those kind of like core, you know, you're you're 100 playing them no matter what. There's nobody that you could possibly have that, that's better than them. So Gerald Everett right now he is questionable. They said he's making progress. I don't know if they play him or not. It doesn't sound likely that he plays. So I think Tyler Higby's in another elite spot against Dallas. Noah Fan yep. we've already sort of talked about uh, somebody who just kind of can go off at any moment because he's very explosive. He's not going to see a ton of targets. Even last week on his big week where he had a hundred over a hundred yards and a touchdown, he still only had four targets. But he's somebody that can rip off a 50, 60 yard touchdown anytime the ball is in his hand. And what's likely a, probably a positive game script for them where they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to you know throw the ball a ton. You know, I think those are those two are the ones that I really like the most. OJ Howard, you certainly can make a case for. You know, Mike Gasicki, you know, especially if they don't have Devontae Parker, Dallas Goddard. I think all those guys are certainly in play. Is there any of those that you that you like more than the other? Uh, I think you got to look at at Tyler Higby, right? Just with with what he's done over the over the past couple of weeks. I mean, he'd probably be be the guy that I would be looking at, like out of that group. Everything lined up for Gasecki last week, man, and like like we were talking about, it was Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns who who uh, who came through. Um, you touched on Noah Fant as good as Kansas City's perimeter is on the on on the secondary. Um, they you know they they have given it up to tight ends, so I mean he's someone like you said, only getting four targets or so. That like that's probably been his. His average on the year, I really don't think he's had too many games, you know, higher or lower than that. Um, he had 11 targets at Minnesota, but I mean, dude, outside of that, it's been it's a bunch of bunch of fours and threes and a and a handful of fives in there. So, but just with being the athletic spark freak that he is, he's a uh, he's able to take one to the to the house just on on any given notice. Um, if Greg Olson. He he returned in a limited fashion today. Um, if he's unable to go for whatever reason, I think you could go back and look at Ian Thomas going up against Seattle. Uh, he's he's shown pretty well in in Olson's absence, so he's he's somebody that you can look at. Uh, you were talking about David Njoku. He is now dealing with, I guess, a, a knee injury, so he's questionable. So. He's someone that if if you picked him up, you picked him off of waivers. But I, you know, I think you can you can look elsewhere. And then um, we already kind of went back and forth with Tennessee and Tannehill. But um, with Delaney Walker being on IR, Johnny Smith could be a, could be another sneaky option and could be a, a shootout between those those two divisional foes. Um, Anyone further down the list that that I didn't touch on that that you kind of want to touch on here? Like you said, when it comes to tight end, it's pretty cut and dry, um, and then you just kind of have to have to look for for matchups and cross your fingers and hope. Um, Jack Doyle would would be another one who just with someone that we didn't mention in the the wide receivers who hit IR, Paris Campbell. Um, was put on IR after the game on Sunday. And then uh, it doesn't look like T.Y. Hilton 
is expected to return this week. So it could be the, the Zach Pascal and uh, Jack Doyle show once again. So for me, I think, well, I think it's kind of falls right in line with the question that we have too. So, so the question is Mike Kosicki, no fan, Dallas Goddard, or Ian Thomas. One, I don't know how all those guys are available, so good on you that had these kind of options because <laughs> – um, I feel like at least Goddard and Gasicki would have been gone. Um, but uh, the either here nor there. So I think for me, it probably starts with Gasicki. I mean, he has the safest floor, in my opinion, in terms of target share. Great matchup against the Giants as well. So, and again, if there's no Devontae Parker, I, I mean, Gasicki could easily see over 10 targets. And I don't think any of these other tight ends have that kind of ceiling. Um, Ian Thomas going against uh, Seattle. But it sounds like it sounds like Greg Olson's it could be back. He's back in a limited form, so we'll yeah. see on that one. If he's back, then obviously that takes Ian Thomas completely out of the running. Even with even with him, like I think Ian Thomas would probably be the second that a guy that I would go to look at, um, just because I don't think Noah Fant is going to be somebody that's going to see that kind of target share, and he's going to have to rip off a long touchdown. Kansas City with you know um, Juan Thornhill. And uh, the Honey Badger, you know, I, I just think this could be another game where the, the Broncos just kind of get just get crushed. So it's tough too with Dallas Goddard though, because again, they're, they're missing so many targets or they're missing so many players that he's going to have to play a yeah. lot as well in two tight end sets, you know. So, but for me, I would rank it as Gasicki, then Thomas if Olsen is out, then Goddard, then Fant. Ah man, the fact that it's the fact that it's standard. I feel like Fant probably has the the best chance to score a touchdown. I think Gasecki probably does give you the the floor like you were talking about because nobody else in that in that group is going to see the amount of targets that he should see. Although it lined up for him pretty well last week, and Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns out targeted him. I I think I think Gasecki might have only had like four or five targets, even with. Even with Devontae Parker leaving with that concussion, and also Albert Wilson as well, um, it it would be a toss up between Gasecki and Fant for me. Like I said, especially especially given that it's standard. I mean, w- whenever you're streaming tight end, we we say this every single week. But whenever you're streaming tight end, you're hoping for that touchdown anyway. I think Fant probably has the has the highest chance to score a touchdown, but Kaseki should see the highest amount of targets. I, I'll, I'm going to go fan here. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, I think he does have a decent ceiling, but it just, I don't know. I, when, in terms of this stuff, I, you know, I'm definitely looking at, uh, at opportunities. Um, I will say, uh, and, and no offense defense. Uh, if you look over, you know, I, you know, even Gasecki as well. The last four weeks, uh, Noah Fant is tied for third and seven red zone targets. So he also has six end zone targets. So he 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 is certainly their preferred option inside the red zone. Um, and then you also have uh, Gasicki, who has six red zone targets and five end zone targets as well. So I think both of them kind of line up that way uh, as as pretty solid matchups. And then you know. Ian Thomas obviously hasn't been given as many opportunities. And then of course, Dallas Goddard is also, you know, doesn't see the field as much. So he has five red zone targets, but only one end zone target where he's actually scored on and converted. So yeah, I don't know. I guess looking into him a little bit deeper, no fan is a little interesting. He just is not seeing as many targets as some of these other guys. Though right. even still, I mean, he has 20 targets over his last four weeks. Gasicki only has 24 
Goddard has 26. So actually, I mean, he's actually leading all of them and he has 19 receptions to 12 uh, receptions for Fant and 13 for Gesicki. So I don't know. That is that is interesting. It, it, again, where I feel like we're hedging our ass off here. But uh, again, I I'd probably stick to it. Yeah, I'd probably maybe switch a little bit, but I'd still go Gesicki one, Fant two, Goddard three, and then Ian Thomas. Because I I feel like that Greg Olson's going to play. Yeah, it it seems like he's going to barring any setbacks. So Thomas last for me as well. Then I would have Fant ahead of Gasecki. Okay, so well that was a, a interesting debate there. Uh, past that, is there any other ones that you that kind of sound to you like you know if you ha- if you were just desperate you had to play a Caden Smith for example if Evan Ingram doesn't uh, doesn't return this week. Um, I think that's like looking at all of them. That's probably it. You know, I. I am. I will say this, which has really nothing to do with because I would not even think about it in fantasy football right now. But Dan Arnold was traded to the Cardinals. I, I am very interested to see just how they utilize him. What? Yes, you didn't know that. I or not I traded. Not, not, excuse me, not traded. Not traded. He was claimed off waivers. Excuse me. They the the Saints uh, released him, placed him on waivers, and the Cardinals claimed him last week. I feel like the Cardinals have just been scooping up every available tight end and then just not using them at all. I mean, they, they have what Charles Clay, Max Williams, they, they pick somebody else up to mid, mid season, but picking all of them up to, to not use them. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you're super desperate, um, like I said, John Smith is somebody who's, who's going to be widely available with, you know, the matchup against Houston, you could go there I mean, if for some reason all of these guys are owned, or maybe you're running a you know a two tight end league or something like that, um, or maybe like a tight end premium where some of these lower guys are going to you know carry a little bit more vo- uh, value. I mean, maybe a, a Hayden Hurst tomorrow um, with I mean Andrews is, is expected to play. He's he's gotten in two limited practices in a row, but you know maybe they. I mean, his sometimes his snaps, his snap percentages, and his snap shares are, are low as is, just because of how many you know multiple tight end sets that that they run with how run heavy uh, Baltimore is. But you know, I mean, maybe somebody like a, a Hayden Hurst, if you're you know, I mean, if you're making me dig deep down here and and look at somebody who you know, if you're if you're super desperate, but, I mean, out, outside of that, uh, Johnny Smith would be my my top option for. For, for a deeper guy like this and then you know if you're if you're kind of rolling the dice and yelling YOLO as you jump out of a window uh Hayden Hurst like I said just with you know maybe that's a case where we see him get a little bit more involved in the in the passing game with Mark Andrews being a being a little banged up yeah I agree I agree uh, I get you know if, if Mark Andrews is out even if he's not we know that that Baltimore loves to throw their their tight end so yeah so other than that I think that wraps it up do you have any any anything else I don't man like I said just uh this week kind of the, the overarching theme is just get, go with the, go with the guys who who got you there and make sure that you're you're paying attention to the to the inactives and everything and all the reports that are rolling out, you know, as, as we approach kickoff on, on Sunday, because that's going to be super important. Like, especially anything that you can get as far as if someone's going to be limited or if they're, you know, if they're not expected to play a full complement of snaps or 
you know, somebody like in Josh Jacobs case, if, you know, if he is expected to play a play a full complement of snaps, just make sure you're, you're paying attention to all that and trying to stay on top of it because, you know, week 15, man, you gotta, you have one more game to, to get to that money spot. So gotta make sure you're paying attention to that and staying on top of it. Yeah. I think for me, if you're one of those teams that are Let's say you're you're playing a team that because now buys are usually over with by now. So let's say you're one of those teams that just played through the first round, and now you're playing a bye week team that has a really really strong team. It's not look good for you. I'm just swinging for the fences. I'm playing a team that I feel like that has just the highest upside. Uh, even if it's there's some YOLO plays in there, some plays you know like a Justin Watson for example, who's going to be available everywhere. And like somebody like that, where you're just, you know, swinging for the fence, hoping that that things work out. If they don't, they don't, because it's already not looking good for you. Because I think that's the best way you can go. Um, You know, last year, you know, that's kind of, uh, as people ask me, and that's kind of what I told them, and it worked out, and they end up winning the championship. Like, I know that's not like groundbreaking news, but like a lot of people, I still feel like when they're in the playoffs, they kind of get a little um, risk averse because, you know, you obviously, there's no next week for you, so you get nervous. But Mm -hmm. if you're in a matchup where it's not looking good for you and it's a tough, you know, a guy you're playing has a ton of, of, of just like, you know, high upside, great plays. You know, he, he has a bunch of studs. He made a couple of trades. Things are working out for him. Like, what else do you have to lose at that point? You know? So, like, I feel like just, just swinging for the fences and every player you play is just high upside. So maybe you sit a guy like, um, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, for example, who's playing Chicago, and you know you start a Ryan Fitzpatrick over him, or or even a Patrick Mahomes for that example, you know for that matter. If you have somebody that you just feel like just has a you know a Ryan Tannehill for them, just has a great matchup, or or a, you know a Kyler Murray or whomever, um, Baker Mayfield or whatever. Say somebody dropped him earlier and you picked him up, and you're just kind of sitting there with them because um, you know I think that's what you have to do. You have to shoot for straight as, as much ceiling as you possibly can get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to be playing Darius Slayton over Joe Mixon in one of my higher money dynasty leagues. So, I mean, that that's definitely it. Like, this isn't the time to you know to turtle, you know, kind of go into your shell and go go with the safe way out. And the last thing that that I'll add here is go with your gut. You know, I mean, jump in the Slack, ask us, ask the TFA fam, you know, what what they're thinking. If you're just trying to get some you know, some different thoughts and opinions on it. But this is like, this is one of those weeks, man, where you just have to go with your gut and you have to go with how you feel. Because if this is one of those situations where if, you know, you ask 10 different people and, you know, you feel really good about a certain matchup, but someone like, you know, eight of the 10 tell you to do something else. So you roll with that. And that's what ends up costing you. Like, whew, like, like just go, go, go with your gut. That's, it's kind of what I'll save to to sign off. Yeah, not there's no scientific evidence to support that, but yeah, no, I, I think that's no, I, I definitely agree. You know, a lot of times, uh, it I can't tell you how many times I went against that and ended up uh, just hating myself for it for, for for not listening to my gut. So I think it's just intuition in your head that's telling you, hey, you know, this is the right call. So, damn dog. <laughs> That's what I've I've never I've never seen a dog from all the times that we've been we've been recording. So I think you just like to smack pots and pans around. I do actually proof. For if 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 you're not if you're not watching, Kevin's just making the uh, the shadow animals on on his <laughs> wall right now with the with the dog. Here he goes again. He keeps trying to pick up his damn his damn bowl. Anyways, 
Well, I guess we can answer this one. Uh, if Devontae Parker's out, would you start any of the Giants wide receivers like Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate or a Buccaneers wide receiver like Justin Watson or another one like Perriman? If if you, if you have the option and, and, and Parker's out, like I definitely would start Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I agree. I think he has a, he has a the, much – I mean, he has actually a rapport with Eli Manning, somebody who has a chemistry with him. And, yeah, I mean, I, I would go Shepard. And of the, of the Buccaneers wide receivers, I don't know how you feel about this, Kev, but if I had to pick between the two, I'm going to go Perriman. Just like I said, um, Watson may have seen a little more playing time last week with the the absence of uh, Scotty Miller, and he did return to practice today. So, and Perriman's been involved in in three wide receiver sets um, all year. So, of the two, I would I would roll Perriman over Watson. Yeah, I think that's the safer play. And I think he does have a, you know, uh, obviously he is a, a solid deep threat. Kind of maybe step into that. I guess you could view him as kind of stepping into that Mike Williams role uh, or Mike Williams, Mike Evans role um, there in, in Tampa. Great matchup. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to like there. So if you had to play Perriman, I mean, I'm not mad at you. I get it. Um, I don't think that's uh, ultra high ceiling and neither is Watson. I think they're both kind of YOLO dart throw plays at this point, but mm-hmm. they're going to throw the ball to somebody. We know that the Tampa Bay loves to throw the ball. But like if I had to make a decision, I'm playing Sterling Shepard of the of that group if I have that option I'm definitely playing Sterling Shepard and then you know I think it would be a conversation with Golden Tate and and Brashad Perryman at that point yeah I mean even Golden Tate given given their matchup and Eli looked good for for a little bit there but you know I we've seen over the past couple years his his arm strength has definitely dwindled and uh with you know we we were kind of curious how that was going to work at the beginning of the year with having just a bunch of kind of you know, those middle of the field, you know, slot kind of options. And they have basically put, uh, they put Tate in the slot and moved Shepard outside. So um, Golden Tate would not be a bad option either, just in case somebody snags Shepard before you. But of that group, uh, I would roll Shepard ahead of Tate. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, and I appreciate the question there on that one. So, anyways. Um, I think with that, um, you know, it is 11.51 in the the old Central Time and uh, almost 1 in the morning there in the old East Coast. Like, that's how dedication there is here uh, on this podcast. You know, we're staying up super late just uh, to bring the the takes. Bringing that heat. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I hope everybody has a great, great week 15. Hopefully, you guys get those dubs, um, you know. And so we can uh, do it again next week for the the championship week, the the banner raising week, if you will. You know, Kawhi went and got his championship ring today in in Toronto, and um, so you know, hopefully you can get yours next week. Again, you know, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Wrath Teen, or you can find Cody at C Kutzer FF. You can also find, jump into our Slack chat. I know in our, I think it's about me section on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, there's a link in there uh, for the Slack channel. You can like. I said hit us up on twitter email us at the fantasy authority one at gmail.com i can get you in there that way as well I'll send you a link to join absolutely free we have a redraft we have a dfs channel check out our dfs uh our dfs pod that's tomorrow night that we do live on youtube as well with me and ryan it is at dfs dj nation we definitely have the best i definitely can say without with with most certainty we have the best intro song of any podcast on that web on that one too it is uh the tits as the kids as they say or i don't think kids say that i don't know who says that <laughs> so it, it is it is said though it is said somebody somebody says it 
<laughs> Somebody somewhere says it. Anyways, uh, again, I uh, appreciate it. Hit that like and subscribe. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. Um, again, we've said it multiple times, but over this offseason, we're going to have a ton of content, whether it's rookies um, leading up to the NFL draft, talking about the, the offseason moves and stuff like that. We're going to do much more shorter videos on YouTube to kind of be more digestible instead of these long-form podcasts. We appreciate all the support all year. It's been great, and we'll see you guys next week at our hopefully at our normal time as long as nothing pops up at, on Tuesday evening at a much more manageable time. So other than that, we will see you guys next week, and let's get that W. Peace. The noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, one hundred million angels singing, multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.